You're listening to BuddhistGeeks.com, May 21st, 2007, Episode 20, Leave the Pot on the Stove. In this final episode with Vince Horn, he continues to share his reflections and experiences of a two-month meditation retreat he recently completed. In this podcast, he discusses the relationship between Dharma study and mindfulness practice. Vince also describes his experience of leaving retreat and transitioning back into the relative world. Finally, he leaves listeners with some parting words of encouragement for those aspiring to do long-term retreats. This is part three of a three-part series. If you enjoy Buddhist Geeks podcasts, please consider supporting us through either a recurring monthly donation or a one-time donation in amount of your choice. To do so, please visit www.buddhistgeeks.com forward slash donate. We thank you for your support. How did you relate to study during your retreat? You had the the nightly sort of Dharma talks, which is an aspect of study. Did you do much study? Did you take uh, any books that you felt are helpful for you? Or did you just say the hell with study and you did nothing but practice? Yeah. The way they set it up on these retreats usually is that they ask you not to read, um, Mm -hmm. not to take notes. Mm -hmm. Although some people do take notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in some, in some cases it's actually helpful to take notes Mm -hmm. for your interview process when you have to describe very detailed experiences that would be hard to remember unless you took notes right after the sitting. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, yeah, I didn't read and tried my best not to spend too much time reflecting on or thinking about the ideas or concepts. I just basically kept trying to see the three characteristics and everything Mm -hmm. that arose. And my suggestions for my teachers have been to do that from day to night throughout the entire retreat and that that's probably the best way to to catalyze the unfolding of insight. And then afterwards, this is the way I approach it, after the retreat's over, then I try to kind of step back and understand conceptually maybe what's happened mm. um, try to try to get a better, try to get an idea of kind of what, what happened, what unfolded during that retreat, mm-hmm. um, what's my new kind of understanding of things, because, you know, it always changes after a period of practice like that. And so I, I basically do the practice only, and then later I'll study... Um, whereas in daily life, it, there's there's much more of a meld of those two. Uh, what's their main point in, in telling you to to not read? In the Tibetan tradition, it's often recommended to take a book and you know study and do that. And so it'd be interesting to have the different perspectives of of why that uh, why not to study. Right. I think the main reason is because the the practice that they teach at the Insight Meditation Society in Spirit Rock it's based on a technique that was created by a Burmese monk named Mahasi Sayadaw. Mm-hmm. And his primary emphasis was continuity of mindful attention. Mm-hmm. And so usually, you know, when we're reading or whatnot, it's it's a little bit harder to maintain the kind of mm-hmm. precise attention that's required in this technique. Mm-hmm. And his whole opinion was, hey, if you really power the mindfulness from morning till night, mm-hmm. um, it's totally doable to get enlightened in a shorter period of time, it's, it, there's some somehow there's a momentum and a con- continuity that starts building, mm-hmm. and if you don't let up on that, it really can power. I mean, it can really have the practice unfold very quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean that's his perspective. Yeah. So the study is more of an obstacle than it is a help. It sounds a little bit less black and white 
in general, it's going to be better for you to just not study and just focus on the practice rather than incorporating that. Yeah, with this the Mahasi Saida technique that mm-hmm. that we practice there, just with that particular technique, I think there are probably other techniques where studying is probably very helpful. It's something about the continuity that they really emphasize. Right. And the, the example that the teachers often give us is, uh, imagine you have a pot of water mm-hmm. and you stick it on the stove and... Uh, so it starts to heat up, and uh-huh. it'll get to the point that it's about to boil. Mm-hmm. So imagine that you take the pot off the stove, uh-huh. and the stove being you know mindful right, attention, right. and then you put it back on, and then you take it off and put it back on. Uh-huh. It's going to take a long time for the water to finally boil. Right. Whereas if you just leave it on the stove mm-hmm. and you turn up the stove to full blast, right. it's going to start boiling. Uh-huh. AKA, you know, deep insight. Uh-huh. That's a good analogy. Yeah, it's a great analogy. That was an analogy that Mahasi Sayed I used. Mm to describe the, this technique. So coming out of the retreat, what was your experience like, or what is it like? Cause that might be still happening for you. The, the transition from retreat back into the relative world. What was that like for you? Back into the relative world. <laughs> how, however you would like <laughs> my, to say that, you know? Yeah. My grandfather, every time I get a retreat, he said, so how was Nirvana? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so how was Nirvana? <laughs> And I keep telling him, Nirvana and Samsara are two pops. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm not sure he, he's quite down on that. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of coming back, it's it's kind of the same as, as the beginning part of the retreat, where there's mm-hmm. all this uh, transition period. It's, it's kind of the same when I get off retreat. Um, I'm in that that sort of flow at the concentration level of levels of concentration and attention are very deep and continuous. Mm-hmm. And then in a couple of days, they pretty much, as uh, Daniel says, they, they plummet like a lead duck. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I've, I'm already two weeks off of the retreat. I'm very much, I'm, I'm not, you know, noticing every, you know, movement that I make and paying attention to these subtle phenomena. Like, no, mm-hmm. I'm walking around and dealing with, you know, frustration, irritation, all those things. Uh-huh. Um, but I think there is a, I mean, it seems to take about a, however long the retreat lasted, it takes about that amount of time to, to come down fully or maybe to, to integrate fully what's happened. I'm sure there's some sort of subtle altered state that I'm still in, but mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to tell because I'm back in the real world. Right. You know, is there any such thing as getting better at retreats? Not necessarily in the practice, but like the whole deal of going on retreat you know because it's there's a difference between meditating at home and going on retreat and doing these different containers of the practice if we would say but do you feel like there's there's any like improvement you had in in actually going on a retreat and making the most out of it yeah i mean well the one thing that i mentioned earlier is that just noticing that the that the transition period in the beginning Mm -hmm. is normal i don't sort of i don't fight against that or I don't resist it as much and so there's a lot less suffering in the beginning of the retreat for me mm-hmm. now and then at the end when my mind especially towards the end of a retreat if people have done retreat they know this uh, the mind starts getting really uh, excited about the future mm-hmm. about when I get off retreat then and it starts planning and it starts fantasizing it starts thinking about mm. all the things that it, you know that I'm going to do yeah. and uh Noticing that that's actually a normal part of retreat practice mm. and not making it wrong or resisting or fighting it, mm-hmm. you know, to, to whatever degree I can. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 
that's actually been really helpful in retreats mm. uh, because there's less you know there's less resistance to the natural phases the natural cycles mm. that seem to happen and then the other thing just coming off retreat not being too hard on myself and not expecting myself to keep this pristine awareness yeah you know pristine uh-huh. because it's always going to be pristine uh-huh. it's just you know it's you know it gets clouded over you know right. and that's just what happens when i'm not meditating 12 hours a day <laughs> right right but that's okay well i think it's good advice for folks going on a retreat is there anything else that you would share with a person who's going on a retreat uh a month two month retreat for the first time i, I know you've created a little kind of retreat meditation uh, guideline a while back on a on your other blog but um mm-hmm. anything you want to share in particular well for those that are already committed to doing a month or two month you know mm-hmm. just to follow the instructions um or to do whatever practice you're doing there like with complete sincerity and to not let up at all i mean that's my that's my kind of hyper masculine bent on the whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah and the flip side of that is to just relax into reality, relax into the moment, and be with what is, using whatever technique or using whatever formless technique where there isn't a technique, just being with what is. Mm. And then I'd also, not for people who haven't done a month or two, but for people maybe who've done practice but haven't gone on retreats, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just a huge fan of them. And I think that a week on retreat can be the equivalent of three to six months of daily practice mm. it, it somehow has the power to to just catalyze things mm-hmm. i don't know how that works exactly but yeah. it's amazing how it impacts the depth and maturity of practice i'm sure you know that because you've you know been on retreats so. yeah yeah it, they, they are quite powerful people haven't. yeah cool well thanks vince for sharing all about your retreat um, i enjoyed it and i think uh, folks will really dig it yeah man my pleasure This has been a presentation of BuddhistGeeks.com, copyright 2007. Music in this podcast provided by C for Chaos. For more great music and writing, visit his blog at www.cforchaos.com. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com slash conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice 
or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.